A U.S. warship sailed through the Taiwan Strait on Tuesday, Taiwan time. The U.S. 7th Fleet announced the transit of the USS Milius in a statement. It said that the U.S. military flies, sails and operates anywhere international law allows. This was the 11th such passage since U.S. President Joe Biden took office in January. It triggered strong protests from Beijing. 11月23日,美米利厄斯号导弹驱逐舰过航台湾海峡。Oliver-class guided missile destroyer USS Milius passed through the Taiwan Strait. The PLA's Eastern Theater Command organized naval and air forces to monitor the entire passage. This action by the U.S. creates security risks and undermines regional stability. Troops of the Eastern Theater will take all necessary measures to resolutely counter all threats and provocations. On the one hand, the U.S. is demonstrating its belief in freedom of navigation in these waters. The U.S. is pushing back on CCP expansionism in these waters and its island-building spree. On the other hand, it is demonstrating its commitment to the Indo-Pacific region. To counter Chinese military threat, legislative yuan has approved an extra spending budget for the Air Force and Navy. 240 billion NT dollars will be used on eight weapons systems, including shore-based anti-ship missiles and drones. China has fined Taiwanese conglomerate Far Eastern Group for problems at its Chinese factories. Two subsidiaries were fined a combined 385 million NT dollars for a host of legal violations. When addressing the crackdown, China's Taiwan Affairs Office said that businesses associated with Taiwan independence forces will not be allowed to make money in China. It called on Taiwanese businesses to, quote, make a clear distinction between right and wrong. Speaking in Taipei, a DPP lawmaker urged Taiwanese businesses to think twice before investing in China. China has fined two companies of Far Eastern Group for multiple legal violations, including environmental and occupational health issues. They've been fined a combined 385 million NT. Taiwan independence diehards themselves and their families are prohibited from entering the mainland and the Hong Kong and Macau special administrative regions. Businesses and financial sponsors associated with them will absolutely not be allowed to profit on the mainland. Earlier this month, China released a blacklist that identified Taiwan's premier, its legislative speaker, and its foreign minister as, quote, diehard separatists. It said that all associated businesses and financial sponsors would be barred from profiting in China. At a press briefing on Monday, China's Taiwan Affairs Office was asked if the fines on Far Eastern were connected to the crackdown on associated businesses. The spokeswoman replied that China will not allow profit by people who support Taiwan independence or destroy cross-strait ties. She said that Taiwanese businesses must make a distinction between right and wrong by making a clear break from separatist forces. The boss of Far Eastern, Douglas Xu, I don't know about other violations, but when it comes to these particular violations, I feel that he is quite innocent. He is a business person. In China, you don't need to have done anything wrong. If they want to kill the chickens to scare the monkey, they will do it. And every business person in China is a potential chicken. If you don't want to be a chicken that's killed to scare the monkeys, then please consider carefully whether China is a place worth traveling to and investing in. I believe that this will deter Taiwanese investment in China, as well as Taiwanese expansion in China. This is actually not good for China. Far Eastern Group has admitted its legal violations in China. It said it had already paid the penalties exacted and had launched investigations into the violations.
Taiwan and the U.S. held the second annual Economic Prosperity Partnership Dialogue on Tuesday via video conference. The high-level talks lasted five hours, focusing on issues like 5G security and supply chain resilience. Both sides pledged to deepen economic cooperation, especially over semiconductors. This is U.S. Undersecretary of State Jose Fernandez with Taiwan's ambassador to Washington and other officials. They participated in the second U.S.-Taiwan Economic Prosperity Partnership Dialogue, which unfolded via teleconference. Taiwan officials held a press conference after the five-hour meeting. Taiwan and the U.S. discussed ways to strengthen cooperation. It discussed strategies for solving the semiconductor supply bottleneck and ensuring the long-term resilience of supply chains, thereby promoting economic recovery, prosperity and safety. Our two sides hope to cooperate on further enhancing the security and resilience of semiconductors, starting from stimulating development in the semiconductor ecosystem in order to support resilience in semiconductor supply chains. The talks focused on four issues, supply chain resilience, economic coercion, the digital economy and 5G, and science and technology exchanges. According to Taiwan officials, the two sides plan to strengthen cooperation, especially in the semiconductor industry. Another focus of discussion was China's downgrade of ties with Lithuania over Taiwan's new representative office. No country or economy should have to face this kind of external coercion. We support Lithuania's support for Taiwan. We support its decision to support a free and democratic country. The US and the EU have both expressed support for Lithuania's decision. The economics minister also condemned China's decision to issue fines to Taiwanese conglomerate Far Eastern Group. Whenever Taiwanese firms invest in any country, they must follow the local regulations. But there shouldn't be any other interference in areas outside of environmental, occupational and safety regulations. Wang said that no country should be subject to economic coercion. She said that Taiwan and the U.S. would work together to combat violations of international trade rules. National Sun Yat-sen University is taking up the baton of international relations with a new scheme to forge links with Lithuania and other Baltic states. A new scholarship program offers free tuition to 20 students from Lithuania, along with grants of 25,000 NT for living expenses every month. The scheme aims to cultivate international ties in the field of semiconductors and high-tech research in general. Sitting atop Kaohsiung Shoshan Mountain, National Sun Yat-sen University is one of Taiwan's most highly regarded seats of learning. This year, it was selected for the Ministry of Education Bilingualized Learning Plan, and now it's announced an exchange program with Lithuania's top universities. An idea was put forward that Lithuanian students should have a special opportunity to come study at our university for free, and we fought for living cost grants provided by the Ministry of Foreign Affairs for Lithuanian students who come and study at National Sun Yat-sen University. These three universities are the top three universities in those countries. Vilnius University, one of the schools in the scheme, is over 400 years old. It's the oldest university in the Baltic states and Lithuania's most prestigious institute of higher education. By signing the agreement, National Sun Yat-sen University has become the first university to get government funds from the Taiwan-Lithuania Semiconductor Talent and Research Scholarship Program. 
The Center for Crystal Research, led by Professor Zhou Mingqi, also signed an MOU to work with Lithuania's state science research body, the Center for Physical Sciences and Technology. Our cooperation with Lithuania and the other two Baltic states is comprehensive. It will focus on semiconductors to start with and expand progressively into other fields. In the future, our university will also act as a training partner to cultivate their semiconductor talent. A dual degree program as well as an exchange program will launch, focusing on semiconductors and other tech research fields such as 5G, and giving students from Lithuania internships in Taiwan's firms. The Thai administration hopes to leave a legacy of substantial cooperation between Lithuania and Taiwan. National Taiwan University Hospital says that its nasal spray vaccine candidate is effective against the Delta variant. So far, the spray has only been tested on mice. But it's shown promise against the Delta variant, including IgA antibodies that can block the virus from spreading into the, into the lungs. Around the world, at least seven pharma firms are developing a nasal spray COVID vaccine. National Taiwan University Hospital is also working on one of its own. On Tuesday, it announced promising early results. During animal trials, mice giving the nasal spray developed neutralizing antibodies and IgA antibodies against COVID. One of our adjuvants is very effective on mucous membranes in mice when applied together with spike proteins. We have evidence that its effectiveness is not lower than that of other vaccines in the market. It can also produce IgA antibodies. In theory, it would be able to reduce viral spread. The spray is made of a proprietary mucosal adjuvant that's added to compounds that already exist. Animal trials showed it to be effective at combating the Delta COVID variant. It produced neutralizing antibody levels comparable to traditional vaccine injections. It also induced a high level of IgA antibodies. IgA antibodies are mainly found in areas of the upper respiratory tract, such as the nasal cavity, the throat, and the windpipe. They can prevent viruses from reaching the lungs, effectively reducing the risk of viral infection. If you have IgA antibodies, of course a breakthrough infection is less likely. At least, the viral load on your upper windpipe would be lower. As for the age range the vaccines can be used on, that will have to wait until after clinical trials. In the U.S., there are nasal spray flu vaccines that are used on children and up to the age of 49. So this kind of nasal spray vaccine is not without precedent abroad. They can be used on children. The downside is that they are a little more expensive than other vaccines. To bring the nasal spray to market, NTU Hospital plans to transfer the technology to a private developer for further development and potentially human trials. China Airlines says it will resume its flights to Palau next month to promote tourism to the Pacific nation. The move came after Palau's president blasted China Airlines for canceling many of its November flights to Palau, even when there were some passengers booked. Palauan President Saran Saranjo Whips Jr. accused China Airlines of, quote, poisoning Palau's market. In response, China Airlines promised to operate six-round trip flights to Palau in December. Let's hear from a former employee. From a commercial perspective, if your passenger load does not reach a certain level, we might cancel the flight or make adjustments. Since China Airlines is partly state-owned, it sometimes has to take on missions of a political nature. I think that responsibility is hard to avoid. China Airlines says it will continue working with travel agencies to promote travel to Palau. Travel agencies are asking the CCC to revise its rules for tourists to Palau. 
Currently, returning tourists must undergo 14 days of self-health management and three PCR tests, two of them paid out of pocket. To qualify as a tourist, they must have had no international travel history in the six months before departure. Turning now to Taiwan's push for outdoor education. Outdoor lessons can deliver enriching experiences that build upon classroom learning. They can also foster students' care for the natural world. By taking lessons outside the classroom, schools are giving their students an authentic look at the diversity of Taiwan. This is Bai Sha Tun Beach in Miaoli County. Marine researcher Ling Junyan is introducing the local ecosystem to students from Taichung Girls Senior High School. They're here to learn about the coastline of central Taiwan. Over here in Miaoli, of all the sandy terrain on the west coast of Taiwan, Miaoli is considered the most lightly developed. I hope to guide them in observing the coastline ecology here. Besides seeing the coastline ecology, they can also see some of the impact of man-made developments, such as tetrapods and seawalls. We were down at the coast just now, and we saw some of the coastal wildlife. Just now, the teacher also shared some of the survey methods that are used during environmental assessments. By actually coming out here and walking around these parts, it feels like we're getting a deeper understanding. We're able to experience it for ourselves, to touch things with our hands. Lots of times, these places that we visit with the students are where they grew up, but they had never used such a perspective to take a serious look at their homeland. For instance, one year we took students to a fish market. At the fish market, the students discovered that a protected species they learned about in class was being weighed up for sale at the market. Besides buying it, they wanted to pass on their knowledge. So it is indeed possible to change our students and for that change to be manifested through action. Outdoor learning is an important part of holistic education. Taiwan's diverse natural environment provides a wealth of valuable learning resources. Through outdoor education courses, even schools in cities can take students out into nature, introducing them to the biodiversity of their home. Well, a pair of pangolins at the Taipei Zoo are set to become Taiwan's cutest ambassadors. In March, they'll head to the Czech Republic for an extended stay at Prague Zoo. The pair of pangolins have already met the mayor of Prague at home in Taipei. After that cordial gathering, the mayor asked if the scaly mammals could visit his home city. <laughs> a penguin curls up shyly in a zookeeper's arms. It's easy to see why they inspire so much adoration. Last year, Taipei Zoo penguins Renhotang and Guobao became parents. Now they're looking forward to an adventure in March. They're headed all the way to the Czech Republic. <laughs> As a child, the mayor of Prague, Mayor Hrib, was reading a picture book, and one of the pictures made him wonder at what strange creatures live in this world, even animals that look like pine cones. So Mayor Hrib asked specially whether he could come and visit our pangolin house and see them, after going through all the quarantines and safety protocols. But a private trip to Taipei Zoo's pangolin house was not enough to satisfy the mayor's pangolin adoration. Now that Prague and Taipei are sister cities, he's arranged for the couple to visit Prague and establish a Czech penguin breeding program. But the Czech Republic is a cold, nay, snowy country. Is that really a kind destination for a penguin? 
Frog Zoo has already set up a tropical rainforest enclosure where the penguins will have their own burrows. The trip was first scheduled for this year, but postponed to March 2022 due to COVID. It also gave Mom Ren Hotang more time to nurse her new babies. When they arrive in Europe, they'll be christened with new Czech nicknames. We don't know how to translate the Chinese names, which mean fruit baby and peppermint cough drop. We don't want people to be confused by the names. Mayor Hrib has a good sense of humor. He'll hold a naming competition around the time they head to Prague. On Facebook, Prague's mayor has invited Czech citizens to come up with new names for Renhotang and Guobao. As Prague will become only the second city in Europe to host penguins, the plan is attracting plenty of buzz. What does Taiwan's digital democracy have in common with bubble tea? According to Digital Minister Audrey Tang, it's more than you would think. Tang was invited by the Czech Taiwanese Business Chamber to create a video highlighting the similarities between bubble tea and digital democracy while touting the advantages of tech-powered decision-making. For most of news reporter Stephanie Yang has the highlights. Hello, I'm Audrey Tang, Taiwan's Digital Minister. At the invitation of the Czech Taiwanese Business Chamber, Digital Minister Audrey Tang spoke about the concept of digital democracy. Really happy to share with friends around the world about our digital democracy. Now, it's rare to hear those two words mixing together because democracy is an ancient concept that goes back to the ancient Athens, but digital is much more recent. But in Taiwan, the internet and democracy began literally at the same year. To me, democracy means working with the people, not just for the people. And digital democracy is a way for us to transcend the time and space boundaries so people around the globe in different time zones can also make decisions together. So, what do digital democracy and bubble tea have in common? I believe that bubble tea represents the spirit of open innovation. It could be white tapioca ball, black tapioca ball, it could be red tea, it could be any kind of tea really. Uh, But as long as they're mixed together, it gives rise to creativity and enjoyment around the world. And people can adapt this open innovation without fear of being sued uh, by patents or copyright or trademark losses. And that means that uh, uh, innovation is very easy to make from the front line to uh, empower people close to the pain or to the thirst, as it were, uh, and people can make their own recipes and freely share it around the world. And that's the spirit of Taiwanese digital democracy. Tang said that just like bubble tea, Taiwan's digital democracy is something that everyone can enjoy. In Taiwan, we countered the pandemic with no lockdown and countered the infodemic with no takedowns. If the technologies are controlled in the hands of a few, then people feel less and less empowered. We need open innovations from around all the corners of our society and the world in order to make it fast, fair and fun. So a democracy that's fast, fair and fun need to scale using the help of digital technologies. During the pandemic, digital technologies played an important role in countering COVID in Taiwan. Tang hopes to continue to create innovative tools to foster local and international cooperation. For Mosa News, Stephanie Yang, Zhong Shuhui in Taipei. Many of Taiwan's culinary traditions are slowly dying out. But if you're willing to head off the beaten track, you can still find experts making ancient treats just like the old days. In rural New Taipei, we found a sweet maker who still makes malt syrup to a traditional recipe. 
He also offers classes where the next generation can pick up the skills. If your grandma or grandpa is hankering for a malty dessert they remember from childhood, why not bring the whole family along on a nostalgic day out? Wood crackles in the oven while malt syrup bubbles on the stove. The steam rising has an unmistakable malty depth, as well as a subtle scent of wood smoke and a gentle sweetness. I got led astray when I was younger. I was in my 30s before I came to my senses. I had a criminal record then, so finding a job was hard. I was willing to come back to the mountain and start from zero, learning how to make malt syrup. It's not as sweet as sugar. It has a very natural flavor. The workshop is far off the beacon track, but customers happily drive all the way here to Shiding District in rural New Taipei just for this traditional malt syrup workshop. Owner Wang Hongjian has been in business 12 years. He follows ancient methods using a wood-fired stove, so his dad can enjoy the nostalgic taste of his childhood every day. The oven can reach temperatures of up to 100 degrees Celsius. Standing beside the stove is a cozy pleasure in winter, but an ordeal in the burning summer sun. Wang's biggest motivator is keeping alive his connection with his father. He wanted to have the malt syrup that he remembered from the old days, but you can't buy it. Then by a stroke of fate, there was an old lady in the next village who knew how to make it and was willing to teach. My dad went and learned how to make malt syrup off her, and he's very happy when I work with him to produce it. Wang has developed lots of products using his malt, combining it with roast duck and even lu wei stewing techniques. On weekends, he offers classes for adults and kids where you too can learn how to make malt syrup the traditional way. Temperatures fell in the early hours of Tuesday as northeasterly winds strengthened over Taiwan. The coldest low-lying areas in the country were Taoyuan and New Taipei, where temperatures hit 12.3 degrees. Over mountainous areas, tourists hoping to see snow were disappointed. At Hehuanshan, temperatures never drop below 5 degrees Celsius. But if you're looking for snow, don't give up yet. Even cool, colder weather is in store, perhaps even tomorrow. Temperatures are set to drop lower in the early hours of Wednesday under the effect of radiative cooling.